Here's a theme song, you know it's not a mean song It's a good song, just as it should song American Brews and Tunes Shibbity-beeby-dow! And we're here! Whoa! We're back. You never know if it's recording when you hit the button until it starts going. That's true. <laughs> Got to get the profound statements out of the way early on because this is yeah. American Brews and Tunes. Hello. Episode... 115. Yes. Believe it or not. My name is Stephen Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. Now, if you guys remember from our, our acclaimed episode last week. <laughs> critically we said, acclaimed. Critically acclaimed. Yeah. Just, just acclaimed. Yeah. By critics and non-critics alike. I mean, I'm a critic and I acclaim it. I acclaim it as well. So, so there, there are two go. critics. Critically acclaimed. Acclaim yeah. Universally. Who knew? Um, we had mentioned to you all that we don't even know what this episode's going to be about. Since then, we found out. Oh, yeah, we did. It's going to be about, and is about, I guess, <laughs> the album Everything Now by Arcade Fire. Oh, yeah. Fantastic album. Uh, so this will be the third Arcade Fire album that we have reviewed on this podcast. Yes, it will. The first two being recommendations that you gave for me to listen to. Yeah, what I, I recommended Neon Bible and um, what was the other one called? The Suburbs. Suburbs. The Suburbs, yeah. yes. And those were both earlier episodes, I believe. I think Neon Bible was yeah, in like Yeah, I'm pretty sure 10. Neon Bible was like the third episode. Yeah, and then um, The Suburbs was one of like the first repeating episodes. Yes. Good stuff, though. Um, I, I, I really didn't think I liked Arcade Fire. They're pretty darn good, man. They are. Um, but canonically, in their discography, I guess, this is the most recent album, right? Yeah, it's uh, coming yeah. up on four years old now, but they haven't released anything since, so yeah. it is their most recent release. 2017, I believe, yeah. is when they released year. this album. Yeah. yeah, it was. I can't really, I'm trying to remember what happened then, but... Um, all I know is it was definitely better than this past year. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that's not really setting the bar too high. No. <laughs> but, but yeah, I agree with you 100%. But before we get into everything now and everything later, um, let's talk about some beer, shall we? Yes, we shall. I'm pretty pretty excited about this beer today. I am too. It's a collaboration brew, from what it looks like, from mm-hmm. Against the Grain and Upland Brewing. Yes. I believe we've we've had some against the grain beers on the podcast. I think it was like the 35K stout. Yes, I remember that. And maybe a couple other ones here and there. But um Upland, I've never heard of them. They're from I've also never heard of them. They're from Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. I would have never even known that Bloomington was a state. I mean <laughs> <a> city. <laughs> I was like, Bloomington's not a state, Steve. <laughs> Just testing your geographical oh, skills. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're sharp. I you am passed. sharp. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> Didn't know it was a city. Yes. Um, but alas, it is. And they have a brewery called Upland who collaborated with Louisville, Kentucky's Against the Grain. I don't think I've ever actually ever heard of Upland Brewing. I haven't either. I've heard of Highland. Yeah. But not Upland. But the beer they came together to collaborate over is called overcompensation mm-hmm. a double india pale ale 
Now, the description on Untapped says this. It says, the aroma is an extravagant barrage of the rich, fruity flavors of melon, lime, orange, passion fruit, and papaya, carried by wafts of warming alcohol. <laughs> wafts. What a good word. Yeah. The unobtrusive, grainy malt profile shows the personality of the hop flavor to leap to the forefront with dizzying amounts of tropical fruit and citrus, followed by a piney finish. Ooh. Ooh. Well, it sounds sounds pretty good. Um, I'll be interested to see if I can actually pick out all those different type of citrus that they uh, described there, specifically yeah. the light, like the lime and the orange. And... and we talked about the melon on that one episode because the melon baller. Yeah, the melon baller, t- yeah. Rhyme, if I remember correctly, from Bearded Iris. That actually did taste like melon. Yes, it really did. It was very it interesting. No, ba- no baller necessary. Yes, no baller necessary. You just had to drink it. Just put it in your mouth and swallow. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what you had to do. <laughs> now, I do notice on Untapped that the picture for the beer is this big green artwork of this guy going down a hill about to go off a mountain on this crazy looking bicycle. Yeah. And it's different from the can that we have. Yes. Our can has a guy on a crazy looking bicycle, but he's like riding over top of snakes and a weird thing. And the artwork on the can that we have is 100% against the grains artwork because they have a specific artist that draws all their stuff. Yeah, I actually found it. The the one that we have right now from uh, Against the Grain is on Untapped. Oh, is it? Yeah, you just have to look up overcompensation. So I think each brewery probably released it with different artwork. Yeah, that makes sense because on the can that we have, there's a little sentence on the back that says, ours is bigger than yours. And it says, Upland thought they could be better than us. Bigger, faster, more souped up. Turns out they are. But what they don't have is our expert ability to shoot shotgun beers with movie stars (laughs) wear crochet suits commandeer strip clubs and make a bigger ipa there we said it ours is better so drink up don't believe it i bet they're overcompensating too okay maybe (laughs) i gotta relook up over compensation and see if i can find the one that we have yeah let me see up i found it oh it actually just says what you said and then it says this double IPA is dense in flavor, but easy drinking with juicy, semi-sweet hop character and hints of pineapple notes. Yeah, so maybe it's maybe it's two separate collaborations. It might be, yeah. We might never find the other one unless we go to Indiana or somewhere within their distribution network. Yeah, uh, yeah, we might have to. Maybe, but uh, let's let's give this a crack and a, a pour. Crack, pour, and a try. Oh yeah. I can smell uh, just a faint hop smell from the can. Ooh, I smell that that uh, fruitiness. Wow. I got a nice pour here. Um, definitely not. Ooh. I, well, it's not like crystal clear, but it's not a hazy IPA. No. Um, okay. I would say it's it's definitely, yeah, definitely not a hazy IPA. But there's a slight little bit of haze. Not too much, though. There, there's definitely a citrusy note, but I'm getting a nice, like, juicy, I wouldn't say pungent hop smell, but like a very present Yeah, uh, the uh, the fruitiness is kind of overpowering the hop smell for me. 
Yeah, it's not like punch in the face West Coast, but it's not as as juicy as a New England. Kind of like covering in the middle. Yeah, um, I'm really interested to try this beer because it does not smell like it's nine percent alcohol by volume. No, and that's that's pretty high for a beer. Yeah. Um, Technically, I think anything above 6.3% is considered high gravity. Yes. So, so this is very high gravity, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, let's say that we give this a uh, a try. Yeah, let's give it a cheers and a try. As we always say on American Brews and Tunes. She better be That sounded like we got that in the same time. But who knows? I'll find out whenever I edit this episode. Mm-hmm. Down... The collaboration overcompensation hatch. Wow. I have more, not had a beer malty. like this in a long time. More malty than I was expecting. Yeah, it has like a really nice malt backbone. And there's just a slight little bit of that pineapple flavor. Yeah, but it's not as juicy or fruity as the smell would imply. Yeah, but it's it's just enough to cut through... And not make like the uh, the hoppiness and the maltiness like too overpowering. I agree. It's uh, I mean it's it's a solid beer. It definitely and... it definitely tastes like nine percent. It does not smell like nine percent, but it tastes like it. I was just gonna say the same thing. I can I can taste it and I can feel it going down. It's nice. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. It's not not an off putting alcohol flavor, but it's just a nice knowing it's there. Yeah, it's, it's very tasty. There to remind you, hey, I'm here. Don't uh, don't drink a six pack of me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or do I don't know. Uh, hey, I mean, it all depends on how how tipsy you want to get in oh, in uh, all one day. Depends on who's driving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But anyway, yeah. I I really like it. It's very very tasty. That is a good one. Yeah, I, I would I would get this again. But I I just wish we had the uh, the other half yeah i i I wish i wish that we would have known that it was like there were two different versions of it yeah because that's that's not common when it comes down to collaborations usually it's just one not two breweries making the same kind of thing right on their own yeah Yeah. i I just maybe i'll do some more research and find the story later who knows but that's it's curious worth looking into for sure at least yeah definitely so uh as we always do if the flavor changes to us as it warms up, we'll let you know. Otherwise, let's uh, let's move on to the album, shall we? Yes, let's. Yeah. So, like uh, like Jesse was saying, this came out in 2017, and it is Arcade Fire's fifth studio album, number five. Um, I'd say, yeah, well, not just me. I think a lot of people would say that it's much more like synthy and and poppy and dancey, uh, and it kind of builds on some of the sounds that they they started experimenting with on their previous album, Reflector. Yeah. Um, and on this album, they collaborated with t- uh, several co-producers, but two of the big ones were there was a, a guitar player from Pulp, who's kind of like a rock band. And the mm-hmm. other one was one of the two members from Daft Punk. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think that had That's some huge, huge influence. Uh, I don't have the guy's name off the top of my head. If you really want to know who, who, who the Daft Punk guy was, you can look it up and find it with the click of a button. Yeah, because we have this thing called the internet that we can use to look up things. It's great. It is pretty amazing. If you don't know about it, send us a DM and we'll teach you. <laughs> All um, about the internet. Yeah, that uh, that that definitely does kind of explain how... Because uh, like, this album definitely is like less 
less guitar driven, less, uh, you know, like acoustic instrument driven and a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, electronic instrument driven. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. More synthy, dancey, poppy. And I would say more immediately accessible, which is a pro for me. Okay. Yeah. I could see how <laughs> it would be more, a little bit more accessible. I think some of the, some of their other albums I had to sit with a little longer to to start to to enjoy. This one I think there yeah. was a lot of stuff on there that I liked it yeah. pretty quickly. Um, but this debuted at number one on the Billboard Top 200 um, uh, upon its release. It did. Wow, I actually didn't know that. Believe it or not, I think it's their third. But don't quote me that one. I'm just guessing. Okay. Um, it was, however, polarizing critically. Hmm. Um, reviews were either like they some people said it was their best album some people said it was a huge misstep hmm. um, but that this is the first time where it wasn't like universally critically acclaimed okay um one of their albums well yeah. as as we have established we are acclaimed critics uh and i would say that it's right kind of in the middle it, just like in general for me it's in the middle it's not like i don't think it's their best album or personally it's not my favorite album but i don't think it's a total flop or like a, a total misstep. Agreed. I acclaim this. <laughs> I acclaim this. It gets my stamp of acclaim. <laughs> I'm going to acclaim it from the rooftops. <laughs> acclaim it from the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> acclaim it across the valleys. The valleys. The shores uh, of America. The oh, shores no. of... The shores of Canada. Oh. <laughs> They're it's I are they fully Canadian though? I, I think believe some I, of them are, and then like Win and Will Butler were like I think they were like born in Texas, weren't they? Yeah, and, and then they, they went moved to, to Canada. Canada or some, yeah, it's something they, like, strange. Went to college in Canada, I think. Yeah, so I don't really know fully what they are, but uh, I think they're, they're a Canadian band. Yes, they are of, considered a Canadian band, but I do believe that there's uh, some strange. Inter, the, uh, yeah, the Butler, international stuff. The Butler brothers are from America, though originally. Yeah, the suburbs of mm, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could be wrong about that. That's just I'm just saying that from memory. I'm I'm fairly certain you're right about that because um, I I saw some stuff about that today as well. Okay, but I remember the first time I heard this record, it was when we were taking a whole bunch of garbage to the dump after that day long clearing of the garage. Yes, I remember that I was too. Driving that oversized truck that Gary had. <laughs> that humongous truck. It was ridiculous. You, you found out how to put your phone on Bluetooth and we listened to it. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if I knew that they had a new album out. I, I don't didn't think really pay they attention. did. I, I remember like it came out and I, well, actually, was that in 2017 or was that later? When we were taking that trip. I can't remember. I think it would have had to have been around then. Around then, probably. But yeah. either way, I remember having li- having listened to it for a long time before probably, showing you the album. It was, I think it was that fall, because that's when Jesse Dick left. Yeah, I think so. So it would have been that fall. So you prob- it was probably out for, I don't know, maybe three months at that point when you yeah, played it. Yeah, probably. Um, but I, 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 I wasn't... 100% blown away, but I was interested after you played it. Mm-hmm. And so I checked it out. Um, it's it's pretty cool. I ended up buying the album. And do you have any of their stuff on physical format by chance? Uh, yes. The only one that I have is actually the album is sitting right here. Uh, it's on vinyl. If I can get it mm-hmm. out. 
from here. It's one of their first one of their first albums. Was it the EP? No. Or was it Funerals? I can't get it out of there right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's sorry. It's stuck on between that and my uh, my desk. Yeah, fair enough. But one of the things I really like that they do is with every physical release, like the lyric booklet or page or however they they format it, is kind of unique to the theme or concept of the album. Yeah. Like on Funeral, it was kind of like a funeral program. Oh, right, right. On Neon Bible, it was kind of like a Bible. like the It was set up like verses. Right. Um, on Suburbs, it kind of looked like a... F- photo book almost and like a journal they would have like journal entries okay as if you're like a teen in the suburbs right um reflector kind of has it like a kind of like a playbill hmm. and then everything now which kind of delves into some of the themes of commercialism it's set up like a weekly like periodical that you get from like a supermarket where they where they advertise new products and sales it was kind of cool, and it's it's like a one page thing, and it, it it's kind of like the material that you'd expect the weekly thing to come every like with your Sunday paper. Yeah, it's, it's pretty okay. cool. I like I like that they actually do that. Okay, so I actually just got the album out that I have, and it's mm-hmm. just called Arcade Fire. I think, <laughs> unless it's uh, is that the record the, store day one? It's the Arcade Fire is what it is. Yep. That might be their very first one. Yeah, it does have No Cars Go, but it's the uh, it's the first version of it. And the lyric the sheet is kind of like a just like a poster. Oh, <laughs> like a uh, like a poster that you would see for like a play or something. Interesting. Yeah, I got I to show you, next time you come over. I got to show you what these ones look like because it's pretty cool. All right. Yeah, cool. That'd be sweet. Unique. I like I like when bands go a little bit beyond it and uh, kind of have a shtick like that. Yeah, just kind of like a building upon the medium in a different way. Yeah, yeah. There have been bands who like release a comic book along with their record and stuff like that, which is really cool. Or the Lords of Huron who create their own universe and create websites and <laughs> yeah, right, big stuff. Yeah, I forgot that about was, that. That's so funny. That was wild. It was the, wild. The amount yeah. of effort. Well, uh, shall we go track by track? Let's do it. I've got three recommendations and one honorable mention. Um, and the reason, in case you've never listened to any of our reviews before, the reason I do that is because I assume that not everybody's going to listen to the full album that we recommend or that we are reviewing. You probably should, but if you don't, these are the ones I would say check out. And I say you definitely should listen to the whole album because that's the only way to listen to it. <laughs> I think it's the best way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It is but the best. Uh, in my opinion, that is the best way to listen to it. It's not the only way. I agree. In a world of Spotify, it's not the same as it once was. Full albums are, I don't know. People yeah. just don't listen to the whole, like they used to. Yeah. Or maybe I'm cynical. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think you're right. Yeah. You would agree. But uh, that's nothing never. So let's get to everything now. Okay. <laughs> Uh, track number one is called Everything Underscore Now, parentheses continued. Yes. This is just a short little instrumental track, isn't it? Yes. Oh, no, it's not instrumental. There is a couple of lyrics. I'm in the black again. Oh, right. Yeah. But it's only like 50 seconds long. Yeah. And it's like a, a lyrical and musical continuation of the final track on the album, which is called 
everything now continued. So it's the same yes. title, but no underscore. Yes. Which I wonder why they chose the first song to put the underscore. I, um, if you look on the context of the album, this happens one other time with infinite content. Probably just here's, for... Here's my theory. Okay. If you'll indulge me. I will. On infinite content, the first one is just called infinite content. The second one is called infinite underscore content. Yep. And I think they're trying to say that the first one has no underscore. The second has an underscore. So if you take that idea and put it for this song and the last song, it's kind of saying that the last song is supposed to go first. And that almost segues into this one. And a lot of people will say that it's like an infinite loop where the record just plays over and over again. I could see that. Um, I think that it could. I have listened to it multiple times in a row in the past. Mm-hmm. So that could be why. Or it could be that they had to differentiate between the songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, for they definitely like, had to. For like legal purposes, maybe. Yeah, you definitely have to. Uh, but that, that, also, that also makes sense, though, that they yeah. kind of wanted to uh, be like an infinite loop. Mm-hmm. Being the music licensing expert that I am, bands have to typically have to give their songs different titles. I mean, we, the company I work for, if we have songs that have the same titles, we have to make note of that, that they're separate songs. So okay. I think legally they have to, to do it just for their own benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, this also segues into the title track, which comes right afterwards. But I like that right before that, it kind of has this like crescendoing strings. Yeah. At the same time you're hearing like either slot machines or maybe like, cash register sounds yep like money type thingies commercial commercialism commercial, type yep. things yep um, and that introduces introduces you to what the theme is yeah yeah that is that's going to be the overarching theme i mean i would say the overarching theme is like consumerism right yeah yes yes absolutely. and then, like what they're saying about consumerism or i guess at the time of the release like the current consumeristic culture that mm-hmm. is even probably more more so prevalent today, uh, four years later. Yeah, with all the e-commerce. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to track number two, which is called Everything Now, the title track. Oh, yeah. This is my first recommendation, and it might be my favorite Arcade Fire song. In general. In general. Nice. Yeah, it's such a fantastic song. Yeah, it's this is the one that I, I think I like the best uh, upon my first listen. Cause it's just so catchy and like, it's just like this really big pop song. Yeah, it really is. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's up with that, like driving piano, you know? Mm-hmm. And they got really nice dynamics, I think between the, the verses and chorus, mm-hmm. and just all kind of cool stuff going on. Really polished. It's just really like a fun dancey song, but I mean, it's more than just a dancey song because this is of course, arcade fire. Yeah, definitely. Now, I do have a little quote here that I found from an interview of Wynn and Will Butler, the two brothers from Arcade Fire. Okay. And they had spoken with this guy named Ari Shapiro on NPR. And he, I guess, is from something called All Things Considered, which is popular. I'm not super familiar with it, though. Yep. Yeah, it's just like a a half an hour long show or hour long show. On NPR, I'm assuming. On NPR, yep. Yeah. But here's a little little portion where they were talking about the song Everything Now. Um, so 
Ari says, so much of this album is about stuff. It seems like a real contrast to that. Um, and Wynn says, I don't agree. I mean, everything now is super emotional. And Ari says, tell me about that. To me, it feels like inundation. Now, I had to look up that word because I wasn't... Inundation? Yeah, I wasn't fully sure what, what it meant. And it's like about stuff or things. Or mm-hmm. people. Um, so Wynn replies to that. He says, take the lyric. Every inch of road's got to turn. Daddy, how come you're never around? I miss you. It's not really about stuff. It's about longing for connection and longing for love. I think that's a conceptual framework around the record um, is trying to come to some sort of understanding about the moment we're in and trying to have some peace with it. But the actual record is really about people. And it's really, I would say, very direct and heartfelt. Hmm. So he's, I guess there is trying to find a human connection, but 100% this is about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, as you, as the songs continue, the, uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? The fact that it's about stuff becomes pretty evident as you listen to the whole album. Pretty evident in this song too. He's yeah. like, you need everything now. And like, I've got all my rooms are filled with stuff that I can't live without. Yep. Just, but really good song. Great start to the record. Definitely. Moving on to track number two, signs of life. Hmm. Um, still dancey, but boom, in a boom, very boom. different way. Boom, 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 boom. It's got boom, that funky boom, boom. bass. Yeah. And it's not just because the song starts with sirens, but it does sound like this could be like a 70s cop movie. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah, huh? Yeah. I mean, the sirens I could, I could definitely hear that. I could definitely yeah. hear that. That's funny. Yeah. It's cool, but I like in addition to the funky, like, bass and the beat there's some really cool orchestration that comes in like the theater yeah um but it comes in in the chorus and in the verses in different ways and it's just kind of really layered nicely yeah agreed yeah um on facebook arcade fire had posted about this song and they said that this song is either about the futility of seeking meaning in a meaningless world or a celebration of a banging night on the in the club (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) i i think they kind of maybe musically it's about a banging night at the club but because like i i mean i could definitely see that right like it's obviously about like they're saying you know that that life is essentially meaningless and there's you know even if uh like because what's the lyric in the song looking for signs of life Looking for signs every night, but there's no, there's sign no signs of life. life. So we do so we it do again. Again? Again? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, yeah, you think about that in the context of the whole, like, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what am I trying consumerism to say Consumerism stuff? Yeah, consumerism, the whole theme of the album. It's like, I'm not sure if they're saying that consumerism has kind of, like, taken the meaning out of life, but... Kind of, probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, maybe there's some consumerism in the next song. I don't know. It's called Creature Comforts. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Creature Comforts. Creature Comforts, yep. Dang. It's a boun- like a really bouncy, synthy, poppy song. Creature I mean, Comfort makes it painless. I keep saying everything's dancey and poppy, but... It's, this, the song's also pretty dancey, though. It's true. Yeah, it is. There are songs that aren't as dancey, but 
this one 100% is. Is this a song where uh, where they say, talk about wanting to get famous? Yeah. God, make me, me famous. famous. If you can't, you just make it painless. Make it painless. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, It's got some dark lyrics. Uh-huh. Kind of like outlines uh-huh. these things that are like kind of sad and maybe cause depression. Like all the people looking in the mirror and waiting yeah. for the, the feedback. Yep. Um, and it talks about some suicide, yeah, suicidal thoughts. Like there's the the line where you filled up the uh, bathtub and put on our first record, yeah, which will come back later. Mm. Um, but later in the song, uh, and the the person doesn't commit suicide. And later in the song, they kind of flip that idea um, where he says it's not painless. Dot dot dot. We're not nameless. So he's kind of saying that people are kind of unique and because yeah. earlier in the song, he was talking about how we're all nameless. Um, so I think he kind of goes back on that saying, wait a yeah. second, we're not, we're not nameless. Yeah. And then the, he also talks about like saying, I think he says after that, like they were a friend of mine or they are a friend of mine. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was right. Sandwich right in between those two lines. I said, I just yeah. skipped it because <laughs> nameless and painless rhyme really nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, great song. It is, yeah. One of my favorites on the album. Um I did I did not recommend it, but I really enjoyed it nonetheless. On a on a side note, uh I recommended that my old youth pastor listen to this album. Uh-huh. And he said that he really liked this song, Creature Comfort. That's a good song for a youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> But there were, I mean, I think we had touched upon it on some of the other Arcade Fire reviews, but like when Butler went to school for religious studies. Yeah. And there are definitely themes of like questioning religious ideas, but I still can't 100% get a feel for his views. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think know... he makes it vague enough on purpose. Yeah, he makes it a little bit less vague in his solo stuff, though. I've never checked it out. Maybe I will have to. I thought you. Uh, oh, that was Will Butler, not Win Butler. Yes, my bad. The other Butler. Well, Will Butler makes it clear on his solo record <laughs> that he does yeah. not, or that he is also doubtful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he just released a second solo album, and I haven't really checked it out. But he did. Maybe I, I, I listened to it one time through, uh, but I can't can't give a full yes or no or a full review on it right now. Maybe we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> Moving on to track number five, which is called "Pizza Pan." This is perhaps the oddest sounding song on the album. Oh, oh, you said Peter Pan. <laughs> Pizza pan. I thought you said pizza pan. I was like, I don't rem- remember that song at all. <laughs> I mean, pizza pan would be a great song. Peter Pan. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying a terrible accent. You said pizza pan. Pizza pan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is such a weird sounding song. It is. Yeah. Maybe the I weirdest like it, sounding song in their discography. Yeah. It's got like this really weird, like, uh, like electrical, uh, like notes reggae? above it, and then like, but it also has like a driving bass, like I almost think it's like, and I don't want to say hip hop because my knowledge of like which 
subcategory of rap beats this would be, but like a rap beat mixed with electronic, mixed with reggae and dub. It's but it's this like such a strange feel, but it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard for me to describe like what it would be because I, I there aren't many things that sound like this in all honesty. Yeah, that I know. About. Um, the song was inspired by his dad being sick. He mm. he mentioned that on an interview with Zane Lowe. He's got a um an internet radio show on Apple Music. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever looked up some of his interviews, Zane Lowe, but he's he interviews a lot of big name people, but he's usually pretty knowledgeable and he can get some mm. good stuff out of people. Okay. Yeah, I have not, uh, but maybe I'll have to check that out. I only listened to just a brief portion of it, but um, I also have another quote from the NPR interview about okay. this song. Um, and it starts out with Ari, whatever that guy's name Ari is. Shapiro. <laughs> Shapiro. I keep wanting to say Ari Shafir because he's <laughs> he's a comedian, but they're very different people. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Ari Shapiro says, as long as we're talking about family, the spark for the song Peter Pan came from your father. Tell us about this. And Wynn says, he doesn't actually talk about his father at all. He, but uh, here's what he says. Both of my grandfathers were 96 when they passed away. So we got a lot of really good time with our grandparents. And I have a son now. You start to realize that your parents are getting older and the realization that they're not always going to be there. It's a different way of facing mortality. I think, parentheses, the character of, and parentheses, Peter Pan, in a lot of ways, is emblem, emblematic of the modern man. Hmm. He's kind of the dream of being young forever, always dressing like the teenager and always feeling young. But this song was trying to get a more direct, less ironic take on the desire to not have the people you love die. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, and it, it's 100% there. And he, he kind of like, that's like the inspiration for the song, but it's also maybe a love song. A love song uh, maybe encompassing the idea of what I just... Yeah, I could see over. that for sure. Um, it is, it's a really fantastic song, but I agree with you. And it's, you said that it's, a, it's definitely the strangest sounding song on the album. Yeah. Hard to, to describe it. So you got to listen and check it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Really definitely. cool to hear. Moving on to another different sounding song. Chemistry. I don't think they actually hiccup like that, but it's, the song for me is, is so weird. Like it is a very whole, weird one. It's like I don't think like campy is the right word for it, but it, it kind of is though. It kind of is like it's got 100 percent reggae verses, like stuff that you hear like like traditional yeah. Jamaican reggae verses, like everything on the upbeat and like yeah, mm-hmm. not like ska music, but like the old timey reggae, which is interesting. But the, then again, like later on in the later choruses. When he says yeah. you and me got chemistry, it almost turns into like a classic rock guitar riff. Yeah. And it's like, where did this come from? <laughs> like it's it's out there, but it's again really cool and I like it. Um, this is my honorable mention, BT dubs. Oh, okay, nice. Just because I like it. it's bouncy, dancey, but not yeah. like poppy synth dance. Yeah, it really is bouncy and poppy. Um but I just don't really like the fact that that's pretty much like one lyric throughout the entire thing. <laughs> yep. Um, it's kind of, if you just look at the lyrics for face value, it kind of seems like a creepy unrequited love. Yeah. But a lot of people on lyric genius said that it's 
supposed to be from the perspective of like a big corporation trying to market towards consumers. Oh, so if okay. you think about that, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> then the rep the repetition and like the creepiness makes a lot of sense. You and me, we got chemistry. It's a weird one, but it's interesting. So maybe it does fit into that uh, consumerism. And I mean, yeah, idea. like if you, I guess, yeah, if you think about some of the lyrics, like one of them is like, dance with your boyfriend all night long. Tell him you really, really love his song. It's like, <laughs> it's like really like uh, generic kind of like ideas about what chemistry is, I guess. So I guess lyrically, it does kind of make dull, sense. Dull yeah. for them. Yeah, like lyrically, it, it's really flat and uh, really. But if they're, they're not writing like metaphorical, from a, if, at if they're all. writing from a perspective of a, a like a big corporation dumbing down a message for a consumer, yeah, it maybe makes, it makes sense. It makes complete sense then. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to choose to believe it because I, I think Arcade Fire is a pretty smart band and, and yeah. fairly deliberate. Yeah, they definitely are. So I agree with you there. Moving on to track number seven and eight. I'm going to go ahead and talk about these two at the same time. Yeah, they, I mean, they could almost be one song and it would be fine. Yeah, it's called Infinite Content and track number eight's Infinite Underscore Content. Yes. Um, the first one is kind of like a their attempt at punk rock. Yeah, I would say so. It's like pretty, it's pretty fast and like really the drums just drive the entire song. Yeah, it's fast and... And then and there's like, like one like, face. there's one like melodic line that goes through it. The boo doo 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 doo, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of comes back in the second, which is infinite underscore content. But this one is like slower and a little bit like country sounding. I could see so that a little bit. Very different sounding songs, both saying the same thing: infinite yeah. content, infinite content. We're infinitely content. Yeah. Um, and they talked about this on the NPR interview as well. Wynn said, um, like, and the, the interviewer, uh, looks like I, I cut off my screenshot, so I can't see what he's saying, but he was saying something along the lines of um, people accusing them of, of not being like earnest and kind of just writing some things off. Um, but Wynn said, I don't know that we've ever made a more earnest record. Hmm. Like, even infinite content is just like a dirge of pain, you know? Haha. <laughs> it says laughed. It says Princey's laughed. You know, I'm just trying to put uh-huh. it there. It's literally, I don't know what else to say except to say this over and over again. It's genuinely an expression of pain. And then Ari Shapiro says, pain about what? What's the the cause of the pain? Wynn says, having everything that you've ever cared about just reduced to a piece of content is kind of painful to me in a sense. Hmm. Anyone involved in music is told, we need more content for this thing. Or the content of these photos is everything or is amazing. Um, you thought that you were making records and then everything ends up being about content. Mm-hmm. It's like filling up a hard drive in a weird way. And you're kind of just trying to kick against it. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's also just definitely like a, a message on uh, like how much content there is now. And like the internet and the fast paced age that we live in, the culture is just like more and more and more. Yeah with streaming services and with Spotify and Netflix and all that, it's just a plethora of stuff that we couldn't see all of it, even if we wanted to. Yeah. You remember that, uh, you remember that black mirror episode where those people are like powering the country or their, their life 
on those treadmills and they're like watching the TVs. Yeah. With Do you remember that one? The glass to the neck guy. Yeah. And then that guy, like it, it kind of makes sense in that, in the context of that. Cause like that guy was like really emotional, right. About trying to get out of mm-hmm. the construct or whatever you want to call it. And yep. ultimately he just becomes the content that fuels it, you know? Yep. And he, so I, I think that kind of, it's kind of what what he's they're, they're they're talking about in this this song, yeah. Like, like, what's the what's the value of of that that thing now? Yeah, if it's yeah. just for pure entertainment, and like yeah. I guess I can I can understand what he's what he's saying. You know, like you spend so much time working on working on like a piece of music or something that you enjoy, and then ultimately it's just consumed and like tossed out or whatever for something yep. else. You know. It's interesting. And it's 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 true. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but very strange centerpiece to an album. I like it though. It's good. I do too. Um, track number nine is called "Electric Blue." Ooh, I like this song a lot. I do too. It's a big change of pace from pr- probably the whole rest of the album. I'd say. Yeah. Um, it's a slower sounding song. I I I wouldn't say it's a slow song. Um, but it's not as driving, like poppy. There's no four on the floor. Um, you know, it's just got this certain, like almost like a, like a melancholy feel. Like just a little, bit, a little eerie, maybe. Yeah, yeah, a little bit eerie. And then this is where we see the other singer, not, uh, not Will or Win, Regine, whatever her last name is. Yes. Um, Electric Blue. A lot of people said it could be a reference. I guess there's a David Bowie song that that uh, does Electric Blue a lot. I don't know. Um, he was he sang a line on their last record, so maybe, maybe not. Hmm. Was this after? Did this come out after Bowie passed away? Oh, uh, was that two thousand? Did he did he pass away in two thousand sixteen? Is that when Black Star came out? I am looking it up right now. I I think it might have been seventeen. And according to oh nope, it was sixteen. You're right. Yeah, so maybe it could be a reference. Yeah, it very well could be because uh, they they were big fans of his. Yeah, um, but all oh, in all, I'm not not hundred percent sure what the song's saying. Something about a relationship, um, but it's really catchy, and her voice is kind of suited nicely for this song. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um... Na, 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 na. Na 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 na. Got me so confused. I just like that really, really high note that she hits in this song. It's so good. Which like one? At, at the at the climax of the, like probably like two thirds of the way through the song. Okay. Her, I mean, she, she can hit some high notes with that false. What her? She kind of does that like heady voice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Really unique voice. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, it's a, um, it's a, a solid song and a good change of pace, I think. Yeah, one of my favorites. It's it's, it's a it's a real banger. Not one, one of my favorites, thing. but not a skipper. Yeah, okay, definitely not a skipper. Gotcha. Yeah, no skippers on this record, I don't think. I agree. Moving on to track number ten, the song is my second recommendation. It's good, goddamn. Mm-hmm. Similar vibe musically to Signs of Life. Cause it's got that funky bass line and you could maybe like picture this in a seventies cop or detective movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, like I imagine like someone searching for a bad guy while this plays in the background. 
I could definitely see that. Yeah. Up. <laughs> you know, when times get rough, but, but baby, really... get on, baby. Yeah. Favorite record on Fill the Bathtub Up. Yep. And that is, of course, a reference to the lady from Creature Comforts. Mm-hmm. And this is from her perspective. It's the same one, two, three, Creature Comfort is four. And if you go from the bottom, everything now is last, two, three, and the good goddamn is four. So it kind of, uh, they come at the same place um, in the album track listing. Yeah, yeah, they do. So probably again, intentional. Yeah. Um, but she does not commit suicide, as we already know from Creature Comforts. Um, and the song kind of ends in a similar fashion. Like at the end of Creature Comforts, they talked about how like it's not painless, uh, we're not nameless. At the end of this one, um, he's kind of talking about like if there's if there's a guy, like if he made you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like we like people have inherent value. I think is kind of the the realization at the end. Yeah, and it's also really interesting how they phrase the lyrics at the end. Yes, when he says maybe there's a good God, then he pauses. Damn. Yeah, because um, at the beginning, it's he, he just it's kind of like screw it like yeah you know but at the end he's kind of switching or she depending on who you're thinking of yeah it's almost it's almost like uh if you were to write it out it would be maybe there's a good god comma damn Damn. you know like with the way that they say that so they're like oh maybe there is like meaning to everything maybe if he made you you know if he maybe he's thinking about religious things who knows yeah maybe maybe not well, I mean, he is thinking about it, but we don't know for sure. Maybe. Not for sure about his conclusion, though. Yeah, he's just saying maybe. Yeah. Literally. Uh, moving <laughs> on to track number 11. Um, this is my last recommendation. Mm. And this is called Put Your Money Put on Me. Put your money on me. All your money on Put your money on me. All your um, money really cool on me. Yeah. And I think it sounds with, starts off with like casino sounds, like uh, slot machine sounds. Um, and obviously putting money on something is like betting, you know? Yeah. So it's fairly, fairly easy connection there. Yeah, I think it um, starts off with like beeping and stuff like that. Yeah. I I love the arpeggiated bass line. The yeah. I can't remember 100%, but I think that goes throughout almost the whole song. Uh, but it's a really cool driving bass line that's, that's just uh, like a solid bass to the song. Yeah. Agreed. Literally a solid base. <laughs> <laughs> um, very catchy. It seems about be about a tough relationship. Um, he compares like putting the money metaphors into like trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite part's the end when um, I, it's not necessarily call and response, but they have that descending melody where it's the put your money on all your money on, and they just kind of keep going down, and it's really really kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good song. Agreed. Uh, moving on to the penultimate track. Or if you think of the context of this album as the, the last, last first song being be the looped, last this song. Yeah. I think this sounds like a closer to me. It does, yeah. Agreed. Um, it's called We Don't Deserve Love, track number 12. And I've got one last quote from the NPR uh, interview. Okay. And I think this is a good one. Hit me with it. It's a long quote, so brace yourself. Mm. Um, so Ari, um, NPR Ari says, <laughs> the album ends with the ballad that sounds different from a lot of the other songs in the album. Will you tell me about how you built this? And Wynn says, there's a synthesizer called the Hymnotron that I got for a regime 
on her birthday. Hmm. It was a really good birthday gift. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. A really cool synth. You don't really play it like a normal synth. It's just these weird buttons and knobs. And hmm. I was just turning it on and trying to figure it out how it worked. Our engineer at the time, our friend Corey Ritchie, that worked on Reflector, he left and it was a really teary goodbye. He was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to have to take this other job. And I was like, well, I'm really going to miss you. <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, that thing you were playing the other day, I hope one day in my life I make something as beautiful as that. And I was like, what thing? Ha <laughs> 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 And he was like, that thing you played on the synth the other day. And I pulled it up and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, so NPR Ari says, just you figuring out how to use the instrument? And Wynn says, yeah. Corey was sitting in the corner almost crying like, oh, this is so beautiful. While I was like, how does this thing work? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, when he pointed out, I was like, oh, right. And the thing was the song pretty much. The vocal was the first time I ever sang it. And everyone in the band just went into the studio and put a layer. And then that was the song. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, so, so, so he, he, didn't even, he literally had no lyrics for it, didn't write any lyrics down, and just went in and sang. I guess. Wow. But it's also crazy that he, he wasn't trying to write a song. Like They must have been like recording, and he was just trying to figure out how to use the, the synthesizer and what he was doing. He must was, have been, yeah. Because it's got that... Yeah, it sounds planned. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And it's I, I don't know what a hymnotron is, but apparently that. And I think the NPR Ari is right. This does sound different from anything else on the record. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if it would fit on any of the other albums. Um, but I think thematically, for sure, it fits in at the end of this album. Because, hmm. um, I mean, obviously, it's talking about exactly what the title says. We don't deserve love. Like, maybe we don't deserve love. Like, being yeah. these people focused maybe on consumerism or, love. or just invested in ourselves and what makes our like us feel good. I don't know. Um, but at the end, um, there's, I think there's some more religious stuff at the end when he's talking about, uh, like Mary roll the stone away. Mm-hmm. Why is it always a Christ like figures that leave or like, uh, whatever. Um, so it's again, what is he saying? I don't know. Um, but I think in the end he is saying we do deserve love. Yeah, I think so. But in, yeah. In the context of the album, he's trying to say like, like we we get love in it and everyone's like has inherent value, but we make a hard case for ourselves. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, just a si- quick side note. I just looked up a hymnotron. Did you look look up what it looks like? No, but I'm about to look it up right now. It looks crazy. It's like an or like like an electronic organ. Is it big? Yeah, it looks really weird. I wonder what version they had. Hymnotron images. It looks pretty cool, though. Oh, like not it has, at all what I was expecting. It like, looks it like a has, voting machine. It has like floor pedals, and yeah. it has like a few keys on it. It looks like one of them says "voice." Like, like I imagine voice. somebody. Like I imagine a radio operator during World War II sending messages using. Yeah, this thing. like like switching out all the the cords to like connect someone via telephone. Yeah, it's really like interesting. Yeah, it looks pretty cool though. I can't imagine that that was a cheap gift. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Jeez. Very cool. Maybe I'll look up some videos of this later because I'm really curious now. Yeah. But anyway, that was just a, As we a know, quick side note. Technically isn't the last song. 
The last song track number 13 is called Everything Now, parentheses, continued. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like the first song, which it segues into kind of, um, it's got like the same lyrics for the most part. There's some added things in here. Um, But it's twice as long, and it's got this really beautiful orchestration that takes the melody from the title track. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like stretches it out real long, and it just sounds really kind of pleasant. And this would make sense coming right before the title track. Yeah, right, right. Then then Which leading makes the case into, leading yeah. into uh everything now. Yeah. So which makes the case that it is meant to be a loop. Yeah. Of infinite content. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um yeah. looking back on this album and like after like you saying all the stuff that Win that Win said, mm-hmm. like this is this is a, a fantastic album. I think so too. Like I think just too. really well put together, really well thought out. Uh, great musically, great like great melodies, really catchy uh, hooks and great bass and just like everything about it is fantastic. It's, it's a great song. I don't know why people didn't like it as as much as their other releases. Yeah, I would I would actually be curious to like read some of the, like the negative reviews about the album. Yeah, um, check some out and see what you think. Um, but I. I don't know. I, I think it's a really good album. Yeah, and I I personally um, really like the whole theme of the album. I do too. That uh, consumerism is kind of uh, harming us, or like har- harming us as like a culture or like as a people. It goes against what like human nature is supposed to be, and it's yeah doing more more bad than good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's a it's a good theme, and that's a theme that's probably gonna pop up again and has popped up on other things that we've reviewed. Yep. Yeah. Well, good deal. Good album. I'm, I'm yeah, really excited to see what they do great next. Album. Yeah. Didn't you say, uh, didn't you tell me earlier that they were working on stuff, right? Yeah. From a, at least so like according a to Wikipedia album or something like that, like something ridiculous like that. Wow. Um, I haven't heard anything since, so we'll see. I didn't know that they did the her soundtrack though. Yeah. I saw that too recently. And I was like, wow, I guess that does make sense that they would do a soundtrack, especially dealing with the themes in the movie Her. Yeah, I knew you liked that movie. I finally saw it like this past weekend. It's a it's a mind boggler. It's a weird movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I I, I really like it. And Joaquin, like Joaquin Phoenix does such a good job in that movie. Like really person, but great actor. (laughs) Really portraying that he is in love with this computer or like this. uh AI. This AI, yeah. It's really weird. Interesting movie. Definitely. Yeah. Um, looking forward to next week. Um, we don't have a plan again, so yeah, we're <laughs> just gonna we're just gonna do whatever. Maybe it'll be a, a, a one-off review, album review, maybe it'll just be a free form episode. We'll see. But you will find out when we release that. Yes. Um, any thoughts on the beer as it warms up? I actually think I like it a little bit more now that it warmed up. Uh, let me give it one more sip real quick. Yeah. I think it it almost seems a little less it seems aggressive. a little bit less harsh yeah yeah i th- i think i like it as it warmed up there's I, also, not that i didn't like it before there's also some sediment on the bottom of my, uh, on the bottom of mine mhm um i like it though it's still really good yeah, i i would get this again for sure but i definitely think as it warmed up the uh, the maltiness like you know when we first tried it and it was like really punchy with the malt and then that like citrus sweetness kind of cut through and balance yes. it all out. Now it really has like come together and become one like 
like the it's all really really well balanced as it's warm as it has warmed up one beer to rule them all one beer wait that was last week the darkness (laughs) that was last week yeah Yeah. you like lord of the rings check out our last episode yeah we talk about howard shore and how awesome he is and drink a beer called the gates of smordor what a good beer yeah it was really good what a good soundtrack what just everything's good all around yeah um, let's say that we finish this beer, however. Sounds good to me. As we always say on American Brews and Tunes. Down the hatch. Now. <laughs> I was slow on thinking of something there. Yeah, I could hear you were trying to process, trying to think. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, my name is Stephen Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. And this is American Brews and Tunes. Here's a theme song. You know it's not a mean song. It's a good song. Just as it should song. American Brews and Tunes. Shibbity-beebity.